Hello, this is the Lecture Preparation Podcast. I'm Daniel Raymond, and this is the second Sunday of Ordinary Time. Um, the first Sunday of Ordinary Time was Baptism of the Lord, so we seem to jump uh, straight to the second Sunday of Ordinary Time, even though we did have a first Sunday of Ordinary Time. It's just it's always called, called the Baptism of the Lord. The first reading this week is from the book of Samuel, and it's a straight-up storytelling. Uh, it's kind of a, a humorous warm, familial. It's a, there, there, there's very little that has to be, there's no deep matter of theology that has to be delved into. The, the, the second reading delves deeply into mm, theology and parallelisms. This is just a story. And so tell it in your best storytelling manner. Separate the individuals and who was saying what. One of your challenges is going to be, since Eli says, uh, and Samuel says almost exactly the same thing three times. You need to think of what you're going to do each time to make uh, it a little different, because otherwise it'll be boring to the um, congregation by the time you get to the third one and start to get to the real point of the reading, which is listening to and accepting God's message to us. There's There's some potential ways of extracting humor in your voice, such as, you know, uh, it doesn't say whether Eli was asleep, but uh, he probably was. And so you can say Eli's response as if he'd just been woken up, or perhaps if he'd been a little bit, perhaps he hadn't been woken up the first time, or perhaps he's a little bit annoyed the second time, and and then a little bit more understanding the third time. So, So think of how you put a little bit of variety in each one of the three times so that it becomes a more engaging piece of storytelling to your congregation. A reading from the first book of Samuel. Samuel was sleeping in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. The Lord called Samuel, who answered, Here I am. Samuel ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. I did not call you, Eli said. Go back to sleep. So he went back to sleep. Again, the Lord called Samuel, who rose and went to Eli. Here I am, he said. You called me. But Eli answered, I I did not call you, my son. Go back to sleep. At that time, Samuel was not familiar with the Lord, because the Lord had not revealed anything to him as yet. The Lord called Samuel again for the third time. Getting up and going to Eli, he said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the youth. So he said to Samuel, Go to sleep, and if you are called, reply, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When Samuel went to sleep in his place, the Lord came and revealed his presence, calling out, as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant is listening. Samuel grew up, and the Lord was with him not permitting any word of his to be without effect. The Word of the Lord. The second reading is St. Paul to the Corinthians. And like much of the rest of St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, it's pretty deep and has a lot of parallel structure and a lot of things that have to be emphasized, the parallel from this to that, by using similar emphasis in your voice which, as I get into it. I, I thought I would also point out here is 
Occasionally, as a lector, you will flub a word. And in which cases do you kind of have to go back and repeat that word? In which cases, if you get a little tongue-tied on a word, can you just brush it off and go on and not have to interrupt the flow of the reading because of a, a simple twist of the tongue? And the most important point of that is if it changes the meaning of the reading. If it changes the meaning of the reading, you have to step back, repeat the phrase with the correct word. If it doesn't change the meaning, for instance, if you leave out a the or an a or um, your the or a, it gets a little tongue-tied, don't interrupt the flow of the reading, just press on. Uh, The reason why I say that is I remember a lecturer who once um, accidentally said, the body is not for immorality, said the body is not for immortality. Um, which, of course, completely changes the reading and is wrong. So that is definitely a case where you have to take a, take a step back and um, just decide for yourself whether it makes sense to repeat a phrase or just repeat the one word. Just whatever. It's hard to give a hard and fast rule because mostly it will reflect what feels good to you, uh, what feels right to you. And... Um, so it's hard to give a hard and fast rule as to whether just to repeat the one word you you re, uh, flubbed up on or to go back and repeat the whole phrase you flubbed up on. In the case of saying the body is uh, not for immorality instead of saying, immort- saying t- immortality, I would have go back and completely re- re- redo that phrase because it is a, such an important key phrase to the whole reading. Hopefully I won't flub it up here, but... Let's go on a reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? But whoever is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Avoid immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been purchased at a price." Therefore, glorify God in your body. The word of the Lord. Again, you go back and, and listen to that. You'll see how I use particular emphases to point out the particular levels of parallelism that um, Paul is trying to create in his readings. And that's something very common in Paul's readings is these deep parallel structures of, of, of theology where he, he steps you in with this is like this is like this, and therefore that. And that's what makes Paul sometimes very difficult to read, and why you really have to work on your pauses and emphasis in order to get that sometimes rather deep and convoluted meaning of Paul up and in a simple way to give to your congregation. Moving on to the gospel, we have Jesus starting to call his disciples and again, this is like the first reading. It's a, it's a pretty straightforward storytelling. 
of basically, in this case, origin story of Jesus' disciples, how he found them, how he called them together. And so treat it much like the first reading in that it is uh, you need to distinguish events, separate events with pauses, different speakers by giving them pauses and a change in presentation so they understand what is direct versus indirect versus narrative uh, parts of the uh, the story. Uh, so it's a very just always be sure you're you're separating events and separating who is speaking with who as you create uh, as you tell this story and just approach it as, as storytelling. Again, there's not a Jesus. Is, this is not the Beatitudes. Um, Jesus is not really giving us any deep theology here or any important parable. But this is uh, just storytelling, and it's just important to keep help your congregation keep track of the action of the story as it's happening by your pauses, your emphasis, and your changes in tone of voice. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned to them, following him, and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. So again, a very straightforward storytelling reading, but one that gets actually fairly complicated in terms of who is saying what, where, and, and, um, and where the action is going. Uh, but just, just treat it as, as, a, as a good story being told in a good way, and you'll be fine. Anyhow, that's it for today. Have a great week. A wonderful Sunday, and try to stay safe and healthy, and God bless.